Pardon the interruption, but I'm Mike Lobantoni. I think we just watched the greatest weekend for basketball in years. From Tony Kornheiser. Even the Northwestern part? No, not that Yeah, part. we're tied. We're tied for second in the Big Ten. I will take that. And, I, you know, we, you okay. know, Binghamton and Northwestern, I'm going to introduce Binghamton now. We've lost five straight, you and I, so I don't know that you need to be, yeah. you know, popping your jerks. No. You know what I'm saying? No, we lost. No, I'm not going to. We lost to Maine in overtime over the weekend, but Maryland uh. in the second half took you out. Welcome to PTI, yeah. boys and girls. In today's episode, baseball adjusts to the pitch clock, North Carolina beats Virginia, and buzzer beaters everywhere. But we begin today with the Los Angeles Lakers making up a 27-point second-quarter deficit yesterday to beat the Dallas Mavericks in Dallas, 111-108. NBA teams that have faced that deficit this season were 0-138. Wilbon, you watch this game, you watch every game. What's the bigger story, that the Lakers won or that the Mavs blew it? Tony, the bigger story is that the Lakers won. I mean, the Lakers have to – We everybody sort of agrees. They need to win, like, now 15 out of their final 21 games to make the, the playoffs, to actually get out of the non-play-in section and, not, and the play-in section and get to the playoffs, get to six. They need to do that. So we all agree on that. And the way the Lakers played was great. There was tenacity. LeBron goes down and says he felt something pop, and you're going, oh, my God – in his ankle, but he gets up and finishes the game. There was drama to it. But, Tony, as you know, because I told you this on your podcast this morning, the Dallas Mavericks look like junk. They don't play defense, and their star player, Luka Doncic, a big star, is a big baby. He's whining, he's crying, he's palms up to the officials. The play is going the other way, and he's not interested. And Jason Kidd ripped them and ripped him, and good for Jason Kidd as the coach. Because until Doncic learns how to be a two-way player, He's not going to be an MVP and the greatest player of the league. He just won't be. Yeah, this is interesting. I heard you say that we all agree upon something. We don't all agree. That's why I love this show. The biggest story by far is the Dallas Mavericks losing that game. Really? Anyone can make up. Yeah, let me listen for a second. Anyone can make up a 27-point deficit. That's not important. The Lakers, when they're involved, it's sexier. I give you that. But losing that lead is terrible. You mentioned being on the podcast. It's the first question I asked you. I said, why should I trust Dallas in any game ever? And you said you You shouldn't shouldn't trust them. (laughs) So the Lakers, to me, are the subtext because, as you say, they're going for the playoffs. And now they're two games into what LeBron James called the most important 23 regular season games of his career. And they're 2-0. You said, Mike, they had to go 16-7 and to get to the playoffs. So now they only have to go... 14-7, and 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 by the way, and I'll get out of here quickly, for those people keeping score, Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic together are now 1-3, and and the one team they beat, San Antonio, is probably the worst team in the league, if you're keeping score. That's right. That's right. Luka. And by the way, you said anybody can make up a 27-point deficit. Then how come nobody had done it? Yeah, it doesn't matter who. I know it doesn't matter who, though. Mike, you were a sports columnist. I was a sports columnist. You head straight for the losing locker room in a game like that. That's where you, you go. You would. You would. You would. You'd go to Luca and say, how about playing defense? Let's move to baseball, where the new pitch clock is clearly affecting batters as well. Cal Conley of the Braves thought he had won Saturday's game against the Sox with a walk-off walk, but he was rung up for strike three for not being set in the box when the pitch clock dropped below eight seconds, which is the new rule. Fans booed, but there was something worth cheering for, Tone. 
The average nine-inning game was down 23 minutes from last season. So, should baseball be concerned or excited? They should be excited. They should be tremendously excited. I don't just have you on the podcast. I had Jeff Passan on the podcast. And he said last year's spring training games took an average of three hours and one minute. And now they are down to two hours and 38 minutes so far. It's only a weekend, but 238. That's a fabulous situation. The reason you put in these new rules is twofold. You want the games to be shorter and you want more action on the base paths. And apparently over this weekend, the attempts to steal were up 40%. Look, that thing that happened to the batter is not going to happen in the regular season. We all know it's not going to happen. But this was an important moment. This was like Paul Revere hanging a light in the old North Church and saying the British are coming. Everybody in baseball saw this. And this is a warning to baseball. We're not fooling around here. This stuff is real and it's going to happen. Tone, I agree with you, but the only way to make that warning meaningful is to actually call it in the regular season, too. Ring somebody up then, too. Don't make this like some preseason. Well, not at the end of the game. Well, okay, maybe not the last hitter, but okay. Don't make this like the NHL or the NBA where you just say, I'm going to swallow the whistle. No, I'm going to ring you up, homie. Get out of here. Tony, look, you and I went to baseball games as kids where – the game was two hours, not 238. It might be sub two. Right. And that's a great thing. You also got to get people interested, and particularly younger people who don't who can't do anything. They can't sleep for three hours. They don't do anything for three hours. So baseball should be tremendously excited. Yeah. And Max Scherzer, the warrior god, loves it more than anybody because he's ready to pitch at any time. By the way, Mike, I got something hanging outside here. It's a scorecard from the first game ever at Camden Yards. Two hours and three minutes. 2.03. Are you serious? Thank you very much. 2.03. First game ever at Camden Yards. We move now again to Brandon Miller of Alabama, who has played in all the games since being connected to the murder charges against two people, including his now former teammate, Darius Miles. Before Saturday's game against Arkansas, Miller went through his pregame introduction, having a walk-on teammate pat him down as if being frisked for a gun. After the game, Alabama coach... Nate Oates suggested Miller had been doing this all season, but vowed it would not happen again. Wilbon, is that good enough? No, it's not good enough. And it's time for the coach to actually be aware of something other than the score of the game and the team's record. And he doesn't seem to be able to do that. And his star freshman player, who I understand has not run afoul of the law specifically, comes across as tone deaf and an arrogant idiot. Okay. Because he's strutting and he's popping his jersey and either he has no adults around him who are going to pull him aside and say, look, son, you've got to behave better than this and be aware of your circumstance or we will sit your butt down, maybe for good or run you out of here. And if there are adults like that at the University of Alabama or in his personal life, and if he is incapable of seeing something other than the rim then they got a bigger problem in Alabama than we saw last week. I was disgusted by that, and I don't know what they'll do next. They seem to all be scared to act. I'm clapping for you. Every word, clapping for you. We had Jay Billis on this show on Friday, and Jay is an actual lawyer, and I respect Jay enormously. And he said that Brandon Miller has rights, too. And he said he hadn't been charged with a crime, and he said that Alabama shouldn't have to care about what other 
schools think about their decision, they should make their own decision. And I'm going to respectfully disagree, as I believe you would as well. And I think that there's a wave coming on this. I watched two different nightly news shows over the weekend, and they both dealt with this story. And that, that surprised me, that it would yeah. reach the level of the nightly news. There's a difference, Mike, as you know, in playing a home game at Alabama against an SEC opponent and then going to a neutral site for the SEC tournament and then going to the NCAA neutral site SEC tournament, uh, NCAA tournament. They're not going to stop the questions. They're not going to stop the criticism and they're not going to stop the heckling. And I think there's more to come in this. Let's take a break. Coming up, did North Carolina have the biggest win of the college basketball weekend? It's big. There are a lot of them, though. And Damian Lillard, one of my faves, absolute faves, went for 71, but did the Kings and Clippers do something even bigger? It was big weekend. The phrase big you used weekend. is 100% accurate. It's totally tone deaf. Totally. Pardon the interruption is brought to you by Burger King. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We love our viewers. Even the ones who email us. And let me see what's first. Mail here. time! What was the biggest win of the weekend? North Carolina beating Virginia? Kentucky pounding Auburn? Gonzaga beating St. Mary's? Or Indiana topping Purdue? Well, Tony, I'm going to go to Indiana topping Purdue. One, that's in my wheelhouse in my conference. And two, as you know, I have said even when Purdue started losing some games, like to Northwestern, that Purdue was still a Final Four team. And I don't know that anymore. I mean, they've, they've really lost some games here. I did think that Indiana was going to win that game. But people seem to have solved Purdue. They seem to figure out how to swarm uh, Zach Eady. They seem to figure out what to do with those shooters. And, and, and Purdue has lots of them. And so I, I thought that Indiana, you know, holding firm there and saying, no, no, we're not letting them. And, and a rivalry, a ri- not a phony made-up rivalry, a real rivalry. Where Indiana said, no, we're holding the line here. I thought that was the biggest win. And it's, it's all local, but that was it for me. Yeah, I don't think that's the biggest win because everybody beats Purdue lately. Maryland and Northwestern have beaten Purdue lately. I don't think it's Gonzaga because they're in the tournament. It might be Kentucky 
because Kentucky has now won four games in a row. They, they beat Auburn by over 30 points, I think, and they're up to 20, so they look like a tournament team. But can you see the color of the tie that I'm wearing? Because it's Carolina yeah. blue, baby. The answer to me is North Carolina. They needed to win that game, and they need to win more games. Because you don't want to be in a position where if you lose in the first round of the ACC, you don't make the tournament. So I think, like Jay Billis said on the show last week, that you need to beat Duke as well. They gotta win but again. that was a very yeah. impressive performance. You know, and they're they're ten and eight, I think, in conference and eighteen and eleven okay. overall. They That's need a couple more. It was all right. This is not a one seed Virginia go. team like two or three years ago. It was, it was all right. No, it's not. Bigger deal from this weekend, Damian Lillard scoring 71 or the Kings and Clippers scoring 351? Tone, this is hard for me. I, I watched both these performances, and I, Damian Lillard to me is just – you know how much I love Dame Lillard. I told you this morning people should celebrate him more because he doesn't try to go be part of a super team or say I got to go latch on to LeBron or ride somebody else's cape. He's going to stay in this relatively small community and be faithful to this community and this franchise and play my butt off, and he does, and I, I love him for that. Now – the yeah. other game, Tony, Sacramento, wow, Sacramento light the beam. I mean, it's amazing what Sacramento's still doing, and the Lakers are coming straight for them if they get to a 6-3 situation. I think we'd both like to see that, but I'm, I'm going to go with Dame. I'm going to go with Dame. 71, come on, man, he yeah. put his name up there with Wilt. Well, he didn't put his name up there with Wilt because Wilt, the last time I looked, had 100, so he's 29 well, down you know what Wilt, I mean. so let's not Wilt's go nuts got here. all of them. 71 is a lot of points. But if it was so special, Donovan Mitchell wouldn't have had 71 this year in a year where everybody gets 50 and 60. And it's not 73 like David Thompson. And it's not 81 like Kobe. And it's not 100 like, well, but it's a lot of points. But it's against the worst team in the league, Houston. The other game, the other game had two playoff teams in it. And they scored the second most amount of points in NBA history. Not the fourth, the second most. And I think, Mike, when people look back on both of these games... They may value the team games more than the Lillard game. They may. Last one. Ready? So I, I think that's legit. I think that's reasonable. Are the Padres paying too much for Manny Machado? Probably $350 million until Machado is 41. Probably, Tony, in just the context of, oh, my God, that's a lot of money. But if you compare it to things like, you know, even, even Mike Trout, who we think is a better player but who can't even get to the playoffs – Machado at least can seem to get his team that far. Machado's really consistent. He's consistently out there, consistently good. There's no, doesn't seem to be any load management. I mean, Machado's worth having. Absolutely, is it too much money? Okay, but in the context of where baseball salaries are today and paying people till they get to 40, it's probably about right. Yeah. So I think they're paying him too much for too long. I think they'll get five or six really good years out of them. But yeah, like Bogarts, they're being paid till they're 41 years old. And I don't think we think they're going to be out on the field no. when they're 41 no. years old. I don't think um, so either. San Diego has paid five different players over this offseason a total of $1 billion. $1 billion. It's a, it, everybody hates the Yankees for saying, well, they try to buy the pennant. San Diego's trying to buy the pennant. Maybe it will succeed. Maybe, maybe this guy, what's his name, Peter Seidler. Maybe Peter Seidler will look like a genius or maybe he'll look like a chump. We're going to see. It's a lot of money. Enough email. Let's take one last break, but still to come, buzzer beaters across college basketball this weekend. Is there enough money left for Juan Soto? I'm just asking. No. Or should the NFL no. make roughing the passer reviewable? Of course they should. Juan I think Soto, the Hugh Darvish contract... 
goes into his 40s. I mean, it's just the length of the contract. I don't care about the money. Yeah. It's the length. Yeah. What? They're going to be the Jerry. Nobody's Padres. that good. Pardon the interruption is brought to you by Golden Corral. Happy time, people. Happy 33rd birthday, Chandler Jones. The Raiders defensive end has been to four Pro Bowls. He won a Super Bowl with the Patriots in 2015. He led the league in sacks with 17 in 2017 for the Cardinals. And this past season, he was the headline act in what is maybe the worst play of all time. You'll remember the Patriots and Raiders were tied 24-24 with time for just one play. The Patriots ran one of those crazy air raid things with everybody flipping the ball all over town. The Patriots started on their own 40, made about 25 yards of progress, and then Jacoby Myers threw the ball backwards and straight to Jones, who went 48 yards in what is officially called a fumble return and won the game. I cannot get enough of this clip. I can get enough of it. I liked him better when he was on the Cardinals anyway. And it was bizarre, but you know, these things happen all the time, Tom, with those backward laterals on the last desperate play of the game. And my reaction is, so what? Yeah, well, if you were Mac Jones, your reaction was, what's the number of the car that hit me? Happy anniversary, Tiger Woods. On this day, 31 years ago, the 16-year-old Woods made his PGA Tour debut at the Los Angeles Open, which that year was played at Riviera, a course Tiger professes to love, even though he's never won there. Tiger missed the cut after shooting 72-75. Let's go back over that for a second. Tiger was 16 years old. He shot 72-75 in a real pro tournament with PGA Tour pros on a course set up to humble players. Tiger's two rounds served notice of the possibility that this kid would be a keeper. Five years later, Tiger won the Masters, the first of his 15 majors, beginning a 10-year run that had never before been seen in golf. Tony, Tiger's greatness at that stage was every bit as apparent, whether we paid attention or not, as LeBron James's. I mean, Tigers, every step along the way, there was an announcement. He's coming to get you people, and he did. He did. Happy trails to a bunch of college teams at the buzzer. Let's start with Arizona State's Desmond Cambridge. Pulled up from beyond half court to stun in-state rival and number seven ranked Arizona in Tucson. Then there was Miami, hitting a corner three with 4.9 seconds left to take the lead over Florida State only to watch the Seminoles, Matthew Cleveland, pull up from well behind the arc and in the 13-ranked Hurricanes the loss. Florida State had been down 23 in that game. Number 22, San Diego State's Lamont Butler, spoiling the upset bid by New Mexico in the pit. Let's go to the MAC. Tie game between Manhattan and Quinnipiac, and Manhattan's Ant Nelson, yes, Ant, drives right, hits the floater to win for the Jaspers. Okay, to the Summit League. North Dakota State and Western Illinois tied at 69, when North Dakota State's Bowden Skunberg, yes, Bowden Skunberg, ends up with a pull-up from the right side to the Ohio Valley, where Lindenwood University, in its first year in D1, earned its way into the conference tournament as the eighth seed with a three from Kevin Caldwell, Jr., and from women's college basketball, with just .9 on the clock, Memphis's Maddie Griggs hit this ridiculous catch-and-shoot three to stun SMU. And finally, Wilbon, I know you were watching this. 1.5 you know left, number two, Indiana, leading number six, Iowa, by two. And then Iowa's Caitlin Clark buries the three to win it for Iowa. Caitlin Clark, Caitlin Clark. And that was an inbounds play. A lot of those others, almost all of them were scrambles. Kaitlyn Clark, you draw up a play. You know she's going to get the ball, Larry Bird. And she does, and she buries it. That was scream out loud stuff to me. By the way, we didn't even get to Trey Young, 
who are the winner, or Joel Embiid, my man who you like to just hassle, who throws one in from 70 a fraction after the buzzer goes off, which would have taken that right. game, too, to overtime. Just a great, 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 great weekend, which you probably mostly slept through. And as always, Joel Embiid's team lost. We need yeah. now to acknowledge the passing of Terry Holland. Holland, who coached Virginia to two Final Fours and was Ralph Sampson's college coach, died Sunday at 80. Holland coached Virginia from 1974 to 1990 and competed in the ACC against such coaches as Dean Smith, Mike Krzyzewski, Jim Valvano, Bobby Kremens, and Lefty Drizel, who Holland had played for at Davidson. Holland won 418 games as a college coach, 326 at Virginia. Among the people who coached for or played for Holland and went on to distinguish coaching careers are Craig Littlepage, Jim Laranega, Rick Carlisle, Jeff Jones, Dave Odom, and Seth Greenberg. Tony, you and I made the drive many times, two hours plus, from greater Washington, D.C. to Charlottesville, Virginia, to watch Terry Holland's teams play. And it was, you know, let's face it, it was sort of an honor to do that over time. I was in Chaminade when Terry Holland had probably the lowest basketball coaching moment and lost that game. And I stood there and asked Terry, is this the greatest upset ever in college basketball history? And he nodded. He didn't have to say a word. But I just enjoyed his company, his intellect, his passion, uh, just everything about Terry Holland over those years. Honored to have been there for I, And I agree. And a kind and gentle man. Like them yes, very much. Yes, absolutely. We go to the big finish. The Hawks hired Let's Quinn Snyder as head coach. Is that a good fit? Tony, it depends. Are he and Trey Young going to get along or is Trey Young going to get him? The third coach fired too. I would think this would work. Quinn Snyder's really good and Trey Young's got to know what's facing him. The commanders cut Carson Wentz. Wow. Where does that go now? D.C. defenders in the XFL. He's a big name. People will go to see him. Can't play in the NFL. <laughs> Bucks owner, co-owner Mark Lasry has reached agreement to sell his portion of the team to the Haslam's. Your thoughts about that? The NBA want the Haslam's. I realize it bumps up the price of the team totally, but I, really? The Washington Post reports the competition committee will consider a proposal to make roughing the passer reviewable. Do you like that? I do, but Mark Maskey writes he doesn't think it'll happen. Last one, Adam Schefter reports your Bears are likely to trade the first pick in the draft. Are you excited for that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I hear the details and when we get the kids from Georgia along the defensive line, who I know Richard Dent loves, I'll be excited then. Details, this is just placeholding now. We're out of time. We will try and do better the next time. Paul O'Donnell and the Beth Page Golf Group, shout out. I wouldn't go across the street to watch Carson Wentz. Please, I'm Mike Wilbon. Same time tomorrow, Knuckleheads. You can get the podcast on the Apple Apple Podcast. And now, here's Sports Center.